There is truth. You can know it, live it, and be liberated by it. I'm Audrey Rinlisbacher. Thank you for joining me on this podcast where we explore how the truth can set you free. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Audrey Rinlisbacher. I hope you had a very Merry Christmas and Happy New Year and wonderful holiday season. Excited to get back at this with you in this new year. And I wanted to share something that happened a few weeks ago. As you know, I released a podcast where I talked about, you know, I'm sorry, we're going to start over. I know that we need to focus more on what the natural law is and why it matters so much and how it lends itself to true principles that can set you free. And we're going to spend this year breaking that all down as I study and write about it. And then put some of it in a book form for you and anybody else that it might be able to help. But a few weeks ago, I think this was a week or two before Christmas, I woke up one morning and I had a couple quotes come into my mind and I was really curious about them. And so I came into the office and looked them up and I'm going to read them to you because I want you to have a sense of where my mind was going in this moment and what it led to because it led to an understanding of what comes before the natural law. I kind of had a sense that, you know, one of the reasons why the natural law isn't being more embraced, first of all, because people just don't know about it and they need to be exposed to it, but also the sense that there's not really a problem. You don't need a solution to a problem unless you know that there's a problem. And so what I'm going to touch on today is what comes before the natural law, meaning what do people need to know? What do we need to break apart? What do we need to understand in order to want a solution and to begin to open our minds and hearts up to the solution of the natural moral law or the law of human nature? So the first quote that was in my mind that morning is by Albert Schweitzer. He won the Nobel Peace Prize, and this quote is in his autobiographical work entitled Out of My Life and Thought, I think, or Life and Work. I need to look it up. And he is a personal hero of mine. So if you don't know much about him, I actually have a podcast, a mission-driven story about him on this podcast that you can go listen to because he's amazing. But this is what he said. When about the end of the century, and he means the turn from the 19th to the 20th century, when about the end of the century, men began to take a retrospective review of every field of human activity in order to determine and fix the value of their achievements, this was done with an optimism which to me was incomprehensible. It seemed to be assumed everywhere, not only that we had made progress in inventions and knowledge, but also that in the intellectual and ethical sphere, we lived and moved at a height which we never before reached and from which we should never decline. My own impression was that in our mental and spiritual life, we were not only below the level of past generations, but were in many respects only living on their achievements, and that not a little of this heritage was beginning to melt away in our hands. So this idea that 
he looks around at intellectual leaders, maybe even religious leaders, and other people of the day in the early 20th century, and he notices that as they assess where the culture is at, they're very proud of where they are and feel that a lot of progress has been made and that we uh, as a civilization are at our pinnacle and height of, of intellectual and moral greatness in addition to you know the material greatness and he can't understand it he can't understand why people are making that assessment because for him it looks as if there's already decline that even at the beginning of the 20th century over 100 years ago that our civilization was behind where past generations had been and was continuing to decline And then here's the other quote that I thought of that morning. I'm going to slay his name, but it's Budzewski. (laughs) I don't actually know how you say that right. He wrote a book called What We Can't Not Know. He's actually someone that I want hope to get into contact with this year and, and have some conversations with because he is an expert on the natural law and has actually written quite a bit on it. But in What We Can't Not Know, he says this, We are passing through an eerie phase of history in which the things that everyone really knows are treated as unheard of doctrines, a time in which the elements of common decency are themselves attacked as indecent. Nothing quite like this has ever happened before. Although our civilization passed through quite a few troughs of immorality, Never before has vice held the high moral ground. Our time considers it dirty-minded to treat sexual purity as a virtue, unfeeling to insist too firmly that the sick should not be encouraged to seek death, a sign of impious pride to profess humble faith in God. The moral law has become the very emblem of immorality. I have heard and read these types of sentiments from many men and women who I admire. And I agree with them that although we see a lot of material progress around us, that a strong case can be made that we're actually regressing intellectually, morally, and spiritually. And that's when it really hit me. The reason that it's difficult to get the general population on board with the concept of natural law and how it's the foundation of everything is our belief, this belief that has a strong handle in our civilization, that we are progressing, that we have been progressing and that we continue to progress. Now, you've got evolution, which played into this, and you've got progressivism, which really took hold in the first part of the 20th century, especially in political and intellectual circles. There are other reasons why we hold this belief so dearly. Because we look around and we think, hey, uh, obviously we're way ahead of anybody that's ever, any civilization that's ever been in the history of the world, technologically and materially, we're so safe, we're so comfortable. And then we look at the moral realm and we feel really proud of ourselves as well. We have this mindset that we are more advanced in every way possible. 
Because think about it. Just look at the case of women. You know, they can uh, vote, they can hold office, they can get any level of education that they want, they can earn as much money, they can marry or not marry, they can have sex with whoever they want, and if they get pregnant, they can just have an abortion. They've just never been this free. Life has just never been this good for them. And then you look at, you know, the black population. Well, not only did we eradicate slavery, but we also championed um, the civil rights movement and we, you know, gave every opportunity possible. In fact, we went overboard to try to buoy up that and other populations that in the country seem to have a disadvantage. And then look at what we've done for the homosexual population, for the trans population. You know, anybody with any sexual orientation can just come out and be free to express themselves. And all of these things are seen as concrete moral progress. And that is why we feel as though we stand on this high moral ground and no civilization has ever been advanced in even anywhere near where we are, not just material, materially, but also ethically and morally. And the problem with that is that it's just not true. These are easy platitudes to state. And there's something that um, when you have this mindset, you can, it kind of strokes your ego, right? Like you get to be morally okay without having actually really done much just by virtue of the fact that you live now in the west and you get it as far as what past generations have done wrong and you can condemn them and you can condemn everyone in the past you can stand in judgment of their choices and the things that they did rather than recognizing that you stand on their shoulders so why would you need any answers? Why would you need God? Why would you need religion? Why would you need to change? Just be yourself. Just act out what feels good to you. Just pursue your own pleasure and comfort. Because lucky for you, you were born at a time when we had it all figured out and when we had done right by everybody and... You know, whatever is happening now is morally and eth ethically okay. Now, there's still a few bad things that go on. You know, people shouldn't murder people. People shouldn't abuse children. We still have a few of these attitudes about what's right and wrong as a civilization. And as long as you get that those things are wrong, then you're totally fine. So it occurred to me that <laughs> this is the fundamental problem. This is what we're up against. If we're going to see a resurgence of religious faith, if we're going to see a resurgence of a higher moral way and um, a focus on truly trying to align ourselves with what is absolutely true and with the nature of reality, we're going to have to get it off of our moral and intellectual and material pedestal. 
So Schweitzer goes on to talk about civilization and he studied civilizations and he says something really interesting about that. He says, what is civilization? We may take as the essential element of civilization, the ethical perfecting of the individual and of society as well. But at the same time, every spiritual and every material step in advance has significance for civilization. The will to civilization is then the universal will to progress, which it's conscious of the ethical as the highest value for all. And this, this is not just Schweitzer. This goes all the way back. You can find this in the writings of all the great men and women throughout Western history, all the way back in Aristotle said it over and over again, that the highest good is being virtuous, that that's what brings personal happiness. That's what brings societal happiness and that we need to pursue our own virtue and that will bring about the best possible conditions around us. And so that's kind of what Schweitzer is saying here is that civilization should desire to progress and that progress, there's nothing wrong with progress. It's just that when we're not really honest with ourselves about what is progress and what is not progress, then we look at wherever we stand and we, we, we are at this point where we stand in a pretty prideful position of telling ourselves that exactly where we are is exactly where we should be ethically. In spite of the great importance we attach to the triumphs of knowledge and achievement, it is nevertheless obvious that only a humanity, sorry, this is Schweitzer again, only a humanity which is striving after ethical ends can in full measure share in the blessings brought by material progress and become master of the dangers which accompany it. And that's absolutely true. I mean, we know that about the atomic bomb, for example. The more advanced we become materially, the more we have to rein in our material powers with an ethical and moral framework that causes us to use them properly. And that can only happen when there's a measure of humility, when we look at ourselves and say, we need to strive individually for higher and a higher ethical ground. And we need to focus individually on being the best that we can be. And that will bring about the better society. It's like one of my favorite quotes by Jordan Peterson, where he said, you know, I've spent a lifetime trying to figure out how what happened during World War II could happen. And what I've come to believe is that the only way to, to not let that happen again is to not be the kind of people that would do that. Well, if we think we have everything all figured out morally and ethically, and we don't have much advance to make, then there's no there's no reason those things won't happen again. So we have a society in which we're telling ourselves that we are seeking truly ethical ends. And these are some of them. Live and let live. Let everyone have the sexual relations they desire. Have the body they desire. Ignore their duties and ethical responsibilities to society, like the non-importance of voting, no social awareness. There used to be a thing called... Um, uh, you're, well, you used to talk about duties all the time and, um, 
how we all had an ethical responsibility to our society and we should sacrifice ourselves for the good of the civilization around us, that we don't have that mindset anymore. We focus on retirement and all the things that are self-seeking and we tell ourselves that this is higher moral ground, but it's really just a codependent relationship that is self-seeking where we do whatever we want and let others off the hook to do what they want so that none of us are bound by ethical imperatives. What ethical imperatives are truly left? We aren't more free. Just look around. We have to watch our every word. We have to have certain, say certain things and do certain things. We have to walk on eggshells all the time, whether we're on social media or in the workplace or even sometimes in our own families. We have to have um, this mindset continually about not offending other people, which means we don't really have any freedom of, true freedom of speech. And that's being pushed under. And of course, you know, if you've read very much in history from great men and women and um, political leaders, that freedom of speech is the undergirding freedom that allows a free civilization to exist. And so that's just one example of the beating down of a clear moral, uh, a clear right and duty that we have to cherish and uphold the freedom of speech that enables us to be a free nation. We're coddling others instead of making them strong. Um, there's a book came out, I don't know, in the 80s called The Closing of the American Mind. There's another one that came out not too long ago, The Coddling, I think, of the American Mind is how it's uh, is the title, something along those lines. And that's really what's happening is that we're getting weaker and weaker and weaker. Kids are living at home longer and longer and longer, unable to engage in the world, unwilling to take on the responsibilities of life. It's a real tragedy. So at this point, this Saturday morning, when I woke up with these ideas and these quotes, my mind is going a million places and I'm seeing all these connections. And so for the next several hours, I got down book after book and followed a thread of all the parts of the problem. I saw the multiple uh, sources discuss when America was truly growing quickly in every way and when that decline began. I thought of other sources I want to check to validate what I was finding. I saw the introduction of superstition as a replacement for faith. Um, multiple authors, Barzin, um, Johnson, Schweitzer, talk about superstition. So fascinating that that is something that changed our culture significantly. I hadn't thought of that before. But the core idea that I was... Um, I'm going to continue to explore on this podcast in the coming weeks and months is this, that before we can get people to hear about the natural law, before they will begin to believe that there is a foundation for civilization that has been in place for centuries and centuries. And for the first time we are trying to eradicate it entirely. And that's what Bujewski, whatever his name is, was saying is that the denial of the natural moral law is something that civilization has never tried and that we're seeing this brand new thing happen that we're pretending like that aspect of nature the the moral aspect of nature does isn't coexistent with us it isn't something that we need to bend our wills to that people must be shown that we are in fact not progressing 
if we're progressing in every possible way, why would we look back to something like the law of human nature? If we can truly create our own new moral system as Nietzsche proposed, why not just follow the moral code that we like rather than having to align ourselves with someone else's ideas of right and wrong? This is Thomas Sowell. He said, both secular and religious philosophers going back to Plato had seen the mundane physical world as being far less important than the ideal or spiritual world, so that being right and free in one's mind was more important than one's fate in the physical world. Dissipating one's energies, trying to reform the practices of a sinful world was considered less important than bringing one's own soul into line with spiritual imperatives. And where they're not a universal acceptance of the existence of these moral imperatives, this is me now, not soul, if, if there wasn't a, a consensus that indeed there are moral imperatives, indeed they do matter in this life and in the next, and we've got to get busy aligning ourselves with those spiritual imperatives, then um, that, was, that was what was making life and society truly slowly progress over the centuries. When it comes to religion, this is where it's really affecting the way that we're living and seeing the world because for centuries, the religion worked because of the argument that C.S. Lewis makes in um, Mere Christianity, which is basically that we have certain ideas in our minds about what's right and wrong. We're born with that. And we know that we don't always live up to our own idea of what we ought to do. And that shows us that there's a law that's being impressed upon us outside of us because we don't get to make it up and we don't get to decide how we feel in relationship to it. So religion worked because of this truth that Lewis explained. We had universal agreement that there is a moral law and we knew that we weren't living up to it and we needed intervention. Today, we're busy telling ourselves the lie that we're progressing, that the law isn't valid, that we only feel like we aren't measuring up because we've been socially brainwashed. And this goes back to Rousseau, who's had a huge impact on the way our society has taken shape. And so if we can get out from under this, these social standards, as Rousseau taught and all of his disciples after, and into the the postmodernists today, then we can reconstruct a better morality, which is exactly what Nietzsche was saying. God is dead. We don't need to follow the old moral code. We have progressed. Evolution has made us to move beyond this moral structure that we used to believe in. And now we can make up our own moral code. And why wouldn't we? If we can do that and we can make it something that's more palatable, something that we like better, why wouldn't we? In fact, we know we're already progressing because of slavery and homosexuality and, and, and the history of women. So we just need to take this all the way. We just need to look at the progress that we've made and continue progressing. Religion doesn't work today because the natural law is the foundational paradigm and model of reality that makes it work. And it is the framework of all reality. And, you know, it's kind of like 
people don't want to be honest about the fact that your fundamental paradigm about the nature of reality determines everything else. And so people hold these ideas that are actually not harmonious. For example, they'll say, there's not a God, but I have natural rights. I don't know if they don't come from God, how, how are they justifiable? How do I know by virtue of the fact that I'm human, that I've evolved? Well, then if I've evolved and I'm evolving, why wouldn't those rights somehow evolve and where do they begin and where do they stop and how do I how do I make an argument for them and how do I codify them in law and manifest them in a civilization if they're continually evolving because we're always progressing so you see the difficulty that arises this is why the American Declaration of Independence pins it on God and his natural law the law of nature and nature's God because the only thing that actually truly makes sense in, 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 and it informs everything. It informs the kind of society that we have. It informs the kind of government that we have. It informs the powers that we grant to the government and how we can rein them in as a people. And we're losing much of that. We're, we're losing the framework that was in place. We know that there were dichotomies with not extending those freedoms to everyone, but then those freedoms were extended to everyone by virtue of the, the, how solid those arguments originally were rooted in God. So this is why that today we don't no longer talk about sin. We just talk about mistakes. That's why we don't really make our own choices. We're products of our childhood and our culture. And if you get very far in atheistic circles, you'll often find many people talking about the fact that there is not a lot of free will. Stephen Hawking, uh, Dawkins, many others. Why is there a loss of free will? Because we're products of evolution. We're not products of creation and we're not free agents. Which, with the loss of natural law goes, and the law of sin goes the law, uh, the loss of free will and free choice. We aren't really choosing these things we are doing the best we can and things are happening to us. We're victims, not creators, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So in the podcast to come, we're going to explore the connection between civilization and progress. I have a lot of other resources. We're going to get into some Coolidge. We're going to get into some, some Rousseau. We're going to touch on some, some Nietzsche and some of these older philosophers. We're going to consider where we've truly progressed and where we're actually lying to ourselves so that we can get a realistic picture of what the problem really is and how the natural law is the answer to our social ills. I've touched on a couple of places where this can go just in the simple terms of, you know, a mindset of natural rights. And those are also connected to duties and those duties are often, you know, not discussed. So anyway, there's a lot of places we can go with this. That's where we're going to we're going to get going and it was really fun that that af that morning and afternoon to make so many connections i wrote down a whole bunch of quotes most of it which i didn't share with you today but just seeing how this concept of a civilization that's um eternally progressing getting better and better and better is a very broken paradigm and we've got to break that apart so that we can better understand where to go from here and how to reinfuse the natural law 
Because as long as we tell ourselves we're just progressing and things are con con constantly continuing to get better, there's no reason to look at any solutions. We don't need any. We're at the top of our game. History can't teach us anything, and the last thing we need is a god with laws and rules and principles that we have to learn and live. On that note, I am so grateful that you've joined me today. If you've listened to some of the book discussions that I've been releasing on this podcast, you can get your reading and discussion guide and other resources and tools and a study skill back in the Andrew Rinlisbacher Library if you'd like to head over there and subscribe. Otherwise, thank you for joining me. I will see you next time here on the podcast as we dive into all things progressivism and the nature of civilization. See you then.